your voice you have led me through the fire in darkest night and you are close like no other I've known you as a father I've known you as a friend and I have lived in the goodness of God Well, good morning, everybody. It's good to see you online this morning and to be able to worship with you, to be able to join together uh, virtually. Uh, we're going to take this time to do what's normal in our community. It's our children's blessing. And so this morning, you might be sitting around a TV or a computer. Uh, parents, we just remind you, you can uh, stretch out a hand to bless a child next to you. Uh, and children and youth, um, this morning I have a challenge for you as you're looking, looking at this children's blessing. Um, think about somebody, uh, think about someone who may be needing a blessing this morning. Maybe a grandparent, maybe it's your parents, maybe it's a friend in need, maybe someone you read about online. Um, there's a lot of people who are hurting this week um, for different reasons. And we want to be a church that blesses others. So uh, let's say this together. Lift up a hand. Um, and let's pray. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks for joining us online today. Uh, my name is Ted. I'm the lead pastor here at Access. And um, this is an unusual time for all of us, but we're trying to give some things uh, still the normal bit of a run uh, as we have time to do so. Uh, I'm going to give some announcements, and there's a couple of things for you to be paying attention to during this difficult time for us. 
First of all, it's our social media outlets. And so maybe you've been off of Facebook or Instagram or those things for a while. Um, we're urging people to get back online because these are great platforms for you to get connected with the rest of the church. So if you've been kind of struggling a little bit with uh, feeling a little bit isolated, this is a great time. Uh, so Access has these social media outlets. Uh, we actually have an Instagram account that we revived this week. It's been dormant for a while. But you can check us out there, too. We're going to be posting scripture and some ways to connect. And if you'd like, fill out a virtual connection card on our website. It's at accesslive.org. Uh, forward slash hello access. So you can do that. Uh, the next thing I want to announce this morning is our online mission partner class. So here at our church, we have something called mission partnership. It's kind of like the membership of our church. For those of you who feel like you might want to join in and be committed to this community, we are also committed to you in your development in your life in Christ. And so we have a class today from 1 to 3 p.m. It's going to be online. Uh, Pastor John's going to be teaching it. So sign up with him. You can find his email there. He'll give you a link, and you can uh, hop online and join the class that way. We already have some folks signed up. It's going to be a good way to stay uh, connected. All right. Next, we have Connection Plus Prayer Online, or should I say Connection and Prayer Online? We've uh, tried different uh, language this week to figure out what we're going to do to call these events. But what we're trying to do is host a number of online events so that people can stay connected throughout the week. I hosted a prayer time. Um, what was it? <laughs> I already forgot, was it Wednesday? And then we had one on Thursday, and then we had one on Friday. The days are blending together because I'm just sitting in front of my computer all week long. The days feel the same. But um, it was a great way for us to connect. And if you would like to do so, we highly urge you to do this. Don't just sit at home watching more news. Get online, uh, participate with one of our online uh, venues, and pray together. So what we do during those times is we offer scripture, we pray and then it's time for you to share as well. And if you're at work somehow, you can also just join. Mute yourself. Um, you don't have to show your face uh, on these if you don't want to. Just listen in so that you can get scripture and prayer into your life during this time as well. All right. A couple more things. Uh, the, la the second to last announcement is about giving. So um, during this time, um, we know that people aren't here. They're not able to drop their uh, checks by the black box by the door. Um, so we're just reminding folks, uh, you can continue to give online. There's options on our website. Uh, you can click on that, and you can set up regular online giving if you haven't done so. And if you do that... Um, that way you don't have to worry about it. It's it's automated, and most of our church folks already do that. So um, this is just a reminder for those people who give uh, in person. Uh, go online, and this might be a better way to do it during this, um, this pandemic. All right. Our final announcement is about um, our new staff member whom you just experienced through worship leading. So we have Jessica Lewis with us. She's our worship leader in residence. And this is a great time for us. Now, typically, if we were doing this live and in person, she would be up here with her family. We'd be um, uh, laying hands and praying, which we don't do during this time because that's... 
It's not cool to be laying hands during COVID-19. So what we're doing instead is uh, we're urging you to uh, send in some virtual hugs and virtual greetings. So you can, have, you might have seen my email online um, this past week. Go ahead and click and say hello, uh, well wishes, and and all that. It's also an unusual time because it's high allergy season, so it was difficult for her to lead. I was actually coughing there at my seat while she was coughing. Um, so I got funny looks this week when I was uh, out and about um, because of, of that. So we understand it's, it's an unusual time. But we are celebrating the fact that we have uh, someone that we can add uh, to our staff team who will be doing some, some mentoring and some, um, some training and some online work with us to be able to, to bring this to you. So um, with that, I'm going to pray for, um, uh, for this. Um, and I know we can't lay hands, but you can just imagine. So I'll just pray right now. Um, you can join me. Dear God, we just want to thank you. We thank you for Jessica, for Nate, for Teddy, for their family, and for them being able to be a part of uh, Access. We thank you so much for the gifts that she brings, uh, for her years of pastoral experience, for the ways in which she can uh, add her voice to the unique uh, co uh, community that we are building here. And we pray that in the coming months, as she invests in others, as she mentors and trains, that she can bring that wealth of experience to be a blessing to many. And we are just grateful, Lord God, for the friendship, for the partnership, that's emerging. We thank you for all of these things, and in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, I'm going to bring up John. He's going to lead us in our, our, worship, in our message today. Well, good morning, everybody. <clears throat> it is great to be with you all. What a, what a weird time it is, isn't it? You know, uh, there's four of us here at the building, and it's like the empty room. And many of y'all are gathered in your living rooms or on your computer or wherever you might be. And we're, we're doing church together. And I just, just want to acknowledge that. that it's, just, it's just a what, a what a strange time we are living in. Uh, but I am so grateful to the Lord Jesus that we could do this together. That we don't have to be alone. He is with us and we are with one another. <clears throat> you know, it seems like everything is just changing at warp speed. Uh, you know, last Monday, this past Monday, we woke up and it's like the world had changed and our, our rhythms, our structures, our life had just been changed. And, uh, you know, every day things are changing. And so stuff I wrote uh, for this message earlier this week, by now it's, uh, it's like out of date. You know, it's, it's crazy. And so I had to adjust it or it was I had to update it. And so uh, as we are responding to these changes, I know that uh, there are a myriad of responses and reactions to what is happening right now. As I've talked to you and as we've been able to connect, I've, you know, what I've been seeing is our people, a lot of people are just really worried right now. They're really, we are really stressed out by what's happening. Uh, yes, there's the fear of this virus and, and all that comes with that, but there's also a lot of stress about the economic uncertainties that people are facing. Uh, some of you, your, your work has been affected you have friends that are out of work, and they're not sure how they're going to make ends meet. Uh, we are worried, of, maybe not for ourselves specifically, uh, but we are worried about our, our parents, you know, uh, who are aging or 
uh, might have some other health conditions, and so we're really concerned about them. And you know, maybe they're not staying home <laughs> and they're not listening to what the news is saying, and so we're worried about them. Um, some of you are, you know, uh, are still needing to go to your physical workspace, and that comes with its own stress because people at your your workplace are getting sick, and you're trying to figure out. How do I do that? You know, um, I need to provide for my family, but then come home and try to shield your family from that. Um, those of us with kids, man, we woke up to a whole new reality, right? Uh, like everyone became like a homeschooler, like all of a sudden. And that's just this whole new thing. And for some people, that's been a great thing. For others, it's been like really challenging. And, uh, you know, our kids are trying to figure out what to do and not just spend, you know, like all day long glued to their iPads. So um, it's just a weird time, you know? And in the midst of all that, too, I know there are those of us, uh, or you, you know people, who besides this crisis, they're dealing with their own personal crises, you know? Besides coronavirus, they have their own health things, or marriage things, or just life things that they're dealing with. And this, this is just one other thing just being, like, crashed down upon them. It's just, it's just a lot. Um, and I also recognize that not all of our experiences are the same, and there might actually even be some for, for whom this, these changes have kind of been uh, some welcome break, right? It's, it's slowed down work, and maybe you're being able to spend a little more time with loved ones, um, and that's, that's a gift. That's a gift to be cherished. So I just want to acknowledge that. I want to acknowledge that we're all experiencing a wave of different things, and maybe it's been happening, like you, you didn't even know it was Sunday today. So what I want to do is before we get into our message, I want you to think uh, in a word or phrase uh, how would you describe your experience this past week, right? So in a word or phrase, how would you describe your experience this past week? Uh, and if you're following us online, like on YouTube, you can, you can write that word or phrase there, or you could turn to the people that you're with right now, if you're with some people, and, and tell them, like, yeah, what was the word or phrase? Uh, you don't have to comment on it, just, yeah, what, how did you experience this past week? So go ahead and, and type that in or share that with someone uh, that you're with, if you're with someone. I'm not in front of a computer right now. I, I am curious to see what y'all are saying, uh, what it's been like. Um, yeah, for me, I would, I would write, it's, it's been strange. It's just been strange. But um, I want us to take a moment to pray. And, you know, I have found that in some, a situation like this, it's hard to know what to say. It's hard to know what to pray to God. Because this problem is so big, and it's changing constantly. And so when we face this kind of uncertainty, I think it does help to come back to these anchor points, these things that we are familiar with. And so this morning before the message, I want us to say the Lord's Prayer together. Uh, when the disciples asked Jesus, how do we pray? Teach us to pray. This is what Jesus taught them. And so I thought this would be a good way for us to come back to some familiar uh, words that Jesus taught and let this be our prayer this morning uh, maybe even for the next week, you know, as we face, as we face this crisis. So, would you join me in praying the Lord's prayer together? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done, on earth, as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. And forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, 
but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Spirit of God, I ask that you would speak through me, that you would help us to hear what you have to say to us this morning, God, wherever we might be gathered. Um, for the good of our neighbor and for the glory of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Several weeks ago, before all this mayhem hit, uh, I watched a movie called Train to Busan. It's, uh, the, the basic gist of this movie is that uh, it's a zombie apocalypse movie. So uh, the basic gist of this movie, though, is a bunch of people turn into zombies while on a train in Korea. Uh, and uh, I really, really like this film, actually. You can actually stream it on Netflix, so after this is done. Uh, it's not appropriate for kids, though, so uh, just keep that in mind. And um, after I watched this film, I, I actually found myself thinking about it for a few days, because it kind of just left an impression on me. And then fast forward, uh, this is before all the mayhem broke out, especially in the United States, and then fast forward to now, and I, I was thinking about this film, and I realized, man, it's... It's eerily relevant to what is happening uh, to us uh, and around us right now. Because, uh, you know, on the surface, this film is just about survival. You know, it's like, what do people do to survive when they face a major crisis? Um, but at a deeper level, the film raises some really, really important questions for us. Questions like, what does it mean to be human? And questions like, is there a limit, you know? Is there a limit to how far we will go to survive? And what do people do when they're driven by fear and self-preservation only? And I was thinking about this because in the fight to survive and in this film, uh, there are people who, uh, in the fight to survive, actually forfeit and give up their humanity. And it made me realize, and it made me think about something that I think is so important for us to remember in this time. And it's this, that you don't need to turn into a zombie in order to become a monster. You don't need to turn into a zombie in order to become a monster. Crises, you know, whether they come in the form of a 500-year flood, as it did when Hurricane Harvey hit us, or whether it's the form of a global pandemic, <clears throat> crises have a way of bringing out the best and the worst in us, don't they? They have a way of both humanizing us and dehumanizing us. And I think that if we're not careful, if we're not vigilant, we can turn into monsters in the process. The current crisis that we're facing is a five-headed beast. So, you know, we're all cognizant that there's this new virus, right? Coronavirus causing this disease called COVID-19. Um, and then there's this, the crazy economic repercussions that this virus is causing. And we've, we've seen this in the stock market. We've seen this in millions of jobs lost as restaurants and, uh, you know, arenas and service things are just closed down. And it's having a dramatic 
financial and economic impact. We're seeing, uh, you know, just an extremely deep, deep social isolation, you know, that we, we've never experienced before. Fourth, we're seeing, you know, the loss of life, the loss of loved ones and friends of friends, and uh, it's, that is just causing intense amounts of, of grief. You know, I think about the, C, there was a CNN report of a, a lady, a New Jersey family, I believe. Their own, they lost four people to coronavirus, right? So the loss of life. And, and fifth, we are facing a sudden constriction of our freedom, right? I, I mean, as of what well, yesterday, we had five states on like lockdown, right? More than 75 million Americans right now aren't able to just go out, right? Unless it's an essential function. So we've, we've never experienced this before. This is truly a crisis. And with all of these threats, it's really easy for us to lose bits and pieces of our humanity along the way. And so I think it's so important for us to regularly ask the question, what does it mean what does it mean for us, for you and me, to become more human rather than less human during this pandemic? As a Christian community, our anchor in the storm is and will always be the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jessica, for those songs because they, they reminded us of who is Lord who we confess, who we believe in. And so as a church, right, as Christ followers, we believe that God so loved the world, a broken world, a world that experiences pandemics and crises, that he sent his very own son, Jesus Christ, who lived a perfect life and then died on a cross for your sin and my sin, who died on our behalf. But then on the third day, he rose again, overcoming sin and death. And now he promises that all who trust in him will be saved, will have life. And no matter what happens in this world, our security is guaranteed. That he is with us. And that he is with us now and he is with us on into eternity. That is what we believe. That is what we confess. And if that is our confession, if we say that Christ is Lord, then that means that we allow him to define for us what it means to be human. As followers of the way of Jesus, then we allow Jesus to define for us what it looks like to be human during this crisis. And so I've been wrestling this past week with, with question, that, that very question. You know, I am experiencing the same pandemic that everyone else is. But as a Christ follower, what difference does that make? You know, what difference does it make to my thoughts and my feelings uh, and my behaviors, right? What difference does it make in the way I am treating my children and, and Grace, my wife, and my neighbors? Um, how does that affect uh, the way I spend my money and what I shop for and how much I shop for it. Uh, how does it affect how I be and how I show up? Because surely, if Christ is Lord, if 
you and I believe this, then it must, it must affect and influence and shape how we show up and how we be during this pandemic. And so in the first couple weeks of this pandemic, as the gravity began to just dawn on Americans, I witnessed, I think, at least two ways of showing up. And I saw these ways uh, in other people, and I also saw these ways in myself. So first, I saw a lot of fear. People were really freaked out and afraid by this thing because we didn't understand it, we didn't know what it meant, and so it resulted uh, in a lot of panic shopping, and apparently when people are afraid in America, they buy toilet paper. I, 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 to I don't really get it exactly, but it was there, right? We felt there was a visceral fear that kind of just gripped many people. But in other people, I saw a different response. I saw hubris, pride, or arrogance. And this looked like those in our midst and those of us, myself included, who were like, ah, it's not, it's not that big of a deal. It's being blown way out of proportion, you know. Uh, I'll be fine. I'm not worried. Uh, you know, I'm not going to have anyone tell me what I can and can't do or who I could see and when I could see them. And so fear and hubris are very, very natural responses, aren't they? But I am certain that they are not reliable guides. They will not bring out the best of our humanity. And so I'd like to suggest a third way that comes out of our confession that Jesus is Lord. And so instead of fear and hubris, we can choose to be faithful to the way of Jesus. And so we ask ourselves, Jesus, how do you want me to live right now? You know, how do you want me to think about this? And how do you want me to respond? How do you want me to be during this pandemic? What do you have to say? And we listen and we search. And when it's silent, we search some more because we believe that as followers of the way, Jesus has something to say to us about how we live during this time. And so what does being faithful to the way of Jesus look like right now? I wanted to share just some some, uh, some biblical principles that I was thinking about this past week that I think might help us be faithful to Jesus during this time. So first, I'd like to start with our thoughts and our minds. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, uh, Paul writes, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, Whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Man, I think that during this crisis, it is so easy to become obsessed with reading the news. Right? I, I've seen this, you know, I roll out of bed, boom, check, you know, Apple News or CNN, what's happening, what's, what are the latest numbers, what's the latest update, and then right before I go to bed, okay, what's happening, check it again, and I go to bed freaked out, and it's hard to sleep, right, and I, I find myself almost getting addicted to trying to stay up to date, and while I, I think it's so important 
that we as a community stay well-informed. That is really important. And it's really important that we check our sources. I also think it's really important that we take breaks from reading the news. Because if all we're focusing on, and if all we're looking at is all this negative stuff, that begins to define our reality. And, and that's, not, that's not all reality right now. There are still good things in life. God is still present with us. There are still things that we need to rejoice in and celebrate. And so what we need to do is we need to train our mind, right? Uh, we need to train our mind to think about these things. We need to train our lips to give gratitude and thanksgiving during this time. We actually need to carve in breaks where we can uh, feed our souls and our minds with things that are good, that uplift our soul, uh, that help us reorient our mind and help us see reality as it truly is. Um, for me, what's been very helpful still is just some of those practices I committed to during the Faith Village Pledge. I'm still trying to do those, right? So in the morning, prayer and scripture. And that just, that just reorients me. If even for five, ten minutes, it reorients me. Maybe by the afternoon, I've kind of slipped and I'm, I'm, I'm you know, in a funk or whatever. That's okay. That's going to happen. But then at night, um, I, I do a little examine. I, I reflect on the day. And that, again, helps to reorient me. Uh, when I look at my kids, my kids, especially especially the younger ones right now, the twins, they know there's a, a virus out there. Uh, but they're just so carefree. And that just reminds me, you know, have, have faith like a little child. And so I think each of us need to find ways that we can engage that can help us take care of our minds. But because, you know, there are some of the experts who are saying, this is, this is not just going to end in a month. This isn't just going to end overnight. And we need to be prepared for a long run. And if you and I aren't taking care of our minds and thoughts, man, we're going we're to burn out from this. We are going to be super crispy with those around us. We are going to not be able to live faithful lives to Jesus if we are not taking care of our thought life. And so um, notice that Paul's instructions are pretty expansive. He says, whatever, you know, whatever is true, whatever is noble, think about these things. Uh, the word translated think can also be translated ponder. And so there's this idea of just like let it really soak in and sink in deep where you need it most. Uh, with that, a really practical thing is, um, you know, version that Bible app. I, I found this seven-day online devotional. N.T. wrote one. We, we're big fans of N.T. right here. Uh, he wrote an online devotional called A Journey from Worry to Confident Hope, Praying Through the Lord's Prayer. And so uh, I'm going to start that on Monday. If you'd like to do that uh, together collectively, you can go to that link, uh, and then we'll be able to, you know, share comments and help uh, spur one another along as we do that. So um, we'll post that on our Facebook page as well. And so first point, let's not turn into monsters. Let's be faithful to the way of Jesus by taking care of our thought life. And so let me just ask a simple question. What is one adjustment you can make to your day to help fill your mind with what is good? Right? What is one simple adjustment that you can make to your day to help fill your mind with what is good? The second thing is we can be faithful to the way of Jesus by looking out for others. A couple chapters earlier in Philippians chapter 2, it says, 
Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. But in humility, regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness, and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. By now, I know most of uh, you, most of us are familiar with this phrase, flatten the curve. Uh, it's been widely spoken of, uh, and it's the logic that undergirds a lot of the measures that we're seeing uh, globally and also in our country. Um, for those uh, of us who are less familiar with the phrase, uh, the basic idea is this, that we are dealing with a virus that is growing at an exponential rate. So, I mean, we have to kind of go back to like our, I don't know, middle school or high school math, right? Exponential growth. And for most of us, we tend to think in terms of linear growth, right? Kind of step by step by step. But this virus is so scary because it grows exponentially. And so maybe one way to think about it is linear growth is like going on an escalator. It's kind of just like nice and steady. You're just going down. It's like you little by little by little. And, it, and we might think that, oh, the virus is kind of just, you know, just growing like incrementally. But it's not. It's growing exponentially, which is more like riding a roller coaster, right? You, you kind of go, 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 and then you just suddenly drop. Now, on a roller coaster ride, that kind of drop, that kind of sudden change, explosive speed is exhilarating. It's fun. It makes you put your hands up in the air. But for a virus, it is devastating. Is devastating. The exponential growth of coronavirus means that it will suddenly and catastrophically overwhelm our hospitals, our medical systems, our the doctors and the nurses and all the staff who are staffing them. And unfortunately, we are already seeing this play out in places like New York City. It is frightening. They are being asked, doctors are being asked to to reuse their mask because they don't have enough. They are totally overwhelmed as the growth just went exponential. And now all these people are getting sick and flooding uh, the hospitals. Similar to what we saw when people got really freaked out and they all started going to the grocery stores and then there was nothing left. If a whole bunch of people get sick, and we know that most people don't have severe symptoms, but if a ton of people get sick, and we know that 20% of those are serious, that becomes way too many people for our systems to manage. And simple math tells you there's just not enough ICU beds, there's not enough masks, there's not enough supplies. But at a grocery store, it's not a big deal because, yeah, you run out of toilet paper, there's not enough, all right, all right, whatever. You went home and you're kind of bummed. It was inconvenient. But in this case, it means that people who could otherwise survive, whose outcome could otherwise get through it, they won't because there won't be a respirator for them. And so this is what flatten the curve is all about. You and me doing our part so that 
we don't get the exponential growth so that it kind of, it, it gradually happens so that our system, our medical systems can keep up with it. And people who need the care are able to get it. But the challenge with flatten the curve is this. The threat that we are facing, right? This virus, it's not like a storm that you and I, everyone can see. Okay, it's flooding now. We need to take shelter. It's invisible. It's invisible. And the reality is that most people who get it are either, you know, fine, they're asymptomatic, or they just get mild symptoms. And so what that means is uh, people who are actually spreading it don't realize it because we're healthy and we're otherwise fine. The flatten the curve only works if everyone does their part. And if everyone follows the social distance stuff, if everyone says, you know what, I may have it, I may be fine, but as I go out there, I actually may be infecting other people without even knowing it. And so the new guidance is just assume you have it. And so every time you go out, assume you have it. You might be spreading it unwittingly to other people. And we don't want to do that. That is not how we be good neighbors. But the thing is, as we think about the constraints that it's placing on us, right? If you feel otherwise healthy and you're like, well, why shouldn't I just like go out and do what I can, repress the boundaries? Um, that is actually a pretty natural thought. Because biologically, we're kind of geared to think about ourselves. Biologically, we're kind of thinking about my survival, and if I'm okay, then I don't really need to worry. It's about my own self-preservation. That's biologically speaking. But spiritually speaking, we are called to a different law. We are called, as Philippians remind us, to consider others better than ourselves. What a high challenge that is for Christ followers. To consider others better than ourselves. That we would restrict our own freedom for the sake of love, not fear from love. And doesn't that capture the essence of who Jesus was and what he taught? In Matthew 7, 12, Jesus said, when you do to your neighbor what you would do, have them do to you, treat your neighbor as you, would have, uh, as you would treat yourself, that sums up the law and the prophets. Another writer articulates it this way. The best defense the vulnerable have against COVID-19 is for those people who are healthy to take serious measures and protect themselves, halting the disease in its tracks by using their own relative health as a human shield to keep others from getting it. I love that picture, a human shield to keep others from get it, getting it. Social distancing, working from home, eating in, and maintaining more rigorous, rigorous than usual personal hygiene may cause disruption to your personal life but it's an uncommonly literal way to live out another famous command from the Bible, love your neighbor as yourself. And so our actions have the potential to impact others greatly, people we may never know or meet, but that has always been the way of Jesus and his followers. And I just want to say a special word to all of the medical uh, staff and personnel 
who are watching this, man, my heart breaks uh, for what's happening right now. It's, it's, uh, it's just awful. And many of you are putting yourself at risk every day. You are sacrificing your own health and, uh, you know, wrestling with what it means for your own family. Um, you are on the front lines living, living this literally out. And so we want to acknowledge you. We want to say thank you. May God strengthen you and, and be with you and empower you. Um, so let's not turn into monsters. Let's be faithful to the way of Jesus by thinking of others better than ourselves. Now here's my last point, okay? Throughout the Gospels, when Jesus would teach something, people were often amazed and they were encouraged by what he would say. Luke says it this way, all spoke well of Jesus and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. And then Ephesians picks up the same kind of theme and Paul says to the church, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. Uh, some other translations say that it may impart grace to its hearers. I love that phrase, that idea like speak so that your words are just imparting grace to people. How can our words do that? You know, that might mean sharing, um, you know, encouraging stories. It might mean sharing uplifting words or prayers or scriptures that are speaking to you. Um, I think it looks like not resorting just to like, uh, just cliched phrases, but kind of thinking thoughtfully about how you're processing this. And as other people share, giving them space to listen and receiving what they have to say, rather than trying to solve or minimize their experience. Uh, it may also mean speaking up and speaking out and speaking against uh, racism and injustices that we see, right? There has, you know, as an Asian American, I'm very present to the increased xenophobia that has, that has kind of come along with this virus, that uh, uh, people of color, of Asian uh, ethnicity and race are being targeted, right? Because uh, they're being scapegoated and blamed um, in our own community, right? Uh, some friends of mine shared that they went to a Target, husband and wife. And as they entered, a child saw them and yelled out, Chinese, stay away from Chinese, as if they were a virus. That's wrong. Words matter. Words matter. And this is why I appreciate this quote from Andy Crouch so much. He says, in shaping culture, nothing matters as much as action that carries symbolic weight. Sometimes this symbolic action takes the form of concrete steps, but sometimes it is simply well-chosen words and images. It may seem like our most urgent need is to make decisions, and of course, we cannot neglect the decisions that are ours to make. But just as important for moving the horizons of possibility are what we say, how we say it and even how we appear to others as we say these things. The way we communicate will shape the choices others make and how they approach their own decision-making. And so let us carefully consider the words that we share during this time. 
let us carefully consider what we post on Facebook and what we choose not to post on Facebook. Let us consider how we say what we want to say. And I want to make a special appeal to our community because I know most of us are pretty well connected, you know, media-wise, and, you know, we're on Facebook or Instagram, and we can text one another. Um, you know, we, we, we have points of connection. But I also realize that there are many in our community as well as in society at large that maybe don't benefit from that same level of social support. Uh, perhaps they are older. Perhaps they are single or living alone. Perhaps uh, their family lives far away or they've lost their family. And I want us to think about them and offer encouraging words to them because uh, I think that group of folks could most easily be left behind and overlooked. So would you take a moment right now, actually, to identify one person in your life who may not enjoy the same social support that you do? And could you send them a text today? Could you just reach out to them and let them know, hey, I'm, I'm thinking about you. Just wanted to see how you were doing. Is there anything I could pray for for you today? All right, would you do that today? Just one person. If all of us did that on a regular basis throughout this, this thing, I think we would care uh, much more faithfully for our whole community, our whole faith village. So let's not turn into monsters. Let's be faithful to the way of Jesus by sharing gracious words with those who need them. It was the year 19, uh, 15, oh, I should say 1527. I don't know why I said that. Okay. It was the year 1527, and there was an outbreak of the deadly bubonic plague in a city in Germany. And a minister there wrote this reflection. He wrote, I shall ask God mercifully to protect us. Then I shall fumigate, help purify the air, administer medicine, and take it. I shall avoid places and persons where my presence is not needed in order not to become contaminated and thus perchance inflict and pollute others and so cause their death as a result of my negligence. And if God should wish to take me, he will surely find me, and I have done what he has expected of me. And so I am not responsible for either my own death or the death of others. If my neighbor needs me, however, I shall not avoid place or person, but will go freely as stated above. See, this is such a God-fearing faith because it is neither brash nor foolhardly and does not tempt God. The minister who wrote that was Martin Luther, the father of the Reformation. And while coronavirus is new, crises are not. We humans have been facing crises since the very beginning. And we know that this, this crisis will pass. We don't know when, we don't know how or how long. But what we do know is that God has loved us that God is with us. And he has called us not to fear or hubris, but to be faithful to the way of Jesus. My friends, when this passes, my hope is that we would be able to look back upon this season of our lives and of our church 
and that we wouldn't feel regret or shame because we're like, oh man, I really, I really did not show up well. But instead, my hope is that we as a community and we as people, we as fellow humans, would, it, would have confidence, would have confidence to know that however brokenly and frailly we try, that somehow God would look back upon this time and he would say, well done, good and faithful servant. Let's pray together. Wherever you might be, I just want to give just a brief moment to pause and to allow you to listen to what God, the Spirit, might be saying to you during this crisis.
I have some questions that I invite you to have conversation with, with uh, whether it's online, with your life groups, or with, just with friends. Uh, let's see if we can get that. We'll also post these on our Facebook as well. Um, let's see, we'll pull those up in just a sec. So uh, while we're waiting for that, I do want to invite us, yeah, let's stay connected with one another during this time. We uh, need one another. Um, and so here are the questions, right? Uh, what's your favorite movie show right now? I know we're watching a lot of TV, so including zombie genres. How have you seen crisis bring out the best and worst in others and in yourself? What is one adjustment you can make to your day to fill your mind with what is good? And is there someone in your life that may not have the same level of social support you have whom you can send an encouraging text or email? All right, church, so uh, let's continue to follow Jesus faithfully during this time. Let's say our sending prayer together. Loving God through all our years, let the church be a community where we learn about love and practice it, where we envision peace and work to build it, where we meet partners in faith who wish to abandon everything that cheapens our discipleship, where we discover gifts and offer them. May your spirit guide us towards joy and generosity in Jesus' name, in the way of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. And hopefully we'll see you next Sunday.